ان الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا وسيئات اعمالنا من يهديه الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله اما بعد So we've been looking at Kitabul Janaiz in detail. Today we come to the hadith of Aisha radiyallahu anha anna an-nabiyya sallallahu alayhi wa sallam qala laha that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said to Aisha radiyallahu anha لو مُتِّ قَبْلِي فَغَسَّلْتُكِ رواه أحمد وابن ماجه وصححه ابن حبان In this hadith the Prophet وسلم, said to Aisha رضي الله عنها If you die before me then I would wash you The washing of the deceased person the Prophet said to Aisha radiallahu anha, If you died before me, then I would do the washing of you. In this hadith then, and in fact there is another hadith that goes with it, the next one, hadith of Asma bint Umais radiallahu anha, Anna Fatimata radiyallahu anha awsat an yaghsilaha aliyun radiyallahu ta'ala anhu that Fatima radiyallahu anha had put down uh, like a will type of thing that Ali who was her husband radiyallahu anhu should wash her if she dies so both of these hadith are talking about the ruling that a husband and a wife are allowed to do the washings of each other if one of them dies before the other. في هذين الحديثين أن لكل من الزوجين أن يغسل صاحبه. The husband and the wife, if one of them dies, the other one is allowed to wash the other. If the wife dies, the husband can do the washing of the body of his wife. If the husband dies, the wife can do the washing of the body of her husband. So, the proof for that is very clear. In the first hadith, the Prophet said to Aisha radiallahu anha that if you die before me, then I will do your washing. Clearly highlighting that it is permissible for the husband to do the washing of his wife if she dies before him. فَهَذَا فِيهِ دَلِيلٌ عَلَىٰ أَنَّ الزَّوْجِ يَغْصِلُ زَوْجَتَهُ وَأَمَّا مَا عَدَاهُ مِنَ الرِّجَالِ فَلَا يَغْصِلُ النِّسَاءِ As for any other men, they cannot do the washing of a woman. It is only the husband who can do the washing of his wife if she dies. No other men. Even if they were from the maharim of the woman. 
father, grandfather, uncle, etc. No. Even if they were mahram to her, nobody else can do the washing of a woman from the men. Only the husband. وَلَوْ كَانَتْ قَرِيبًا وَمَحَارِمْ لَهُنَّ فِي الْحَيَاةِ وَإِنَّ هَذَا خَاصْ بِالزَّوْجِ فَقَطْ So only, the only man who can do the washing of a woman is the woman's husband. If the husband can't do it, then it has to be other women who do the washing of that woman then. وَكَذَلِكَ النِّسَاءَ لَا يَغْصِلْنَا الرِّجَالِ وَإِنَّمَا يَغْصِلُهُمْ رِجَالِ مِثْلُهُمْ إِلَّا الزَّوْجَةِ فَإِنَّهَا تَغْصِلُ زَوْجَهَا The same with a man who dies. There is only one woman who is allowed to wash that man. His wife. If she can't do it, then it has to be other men who do it then. لِأَنَّ فَاطِمَا How do we know that the man can do the washing of the woman, the hadith of Prophet and also the hadith about Fatima when she said that Ali should do her washing. Both of this, these narrations, therefore indicate that it is permissible for the husband to do the washing of the deceased wife, or the wife to do the washing of the deceased husband. And that is what the majority of the scholars hold as their opinion based upon these clear evidences. The majority of the scholars, they say, that a husband can wash the wife of his deceased, uh, 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 can wash the body of his deceased wife, and that the woman can wash the body of her deceased husband. Besides them, nobody else can wash the body of the opposite gender. What's the only exception? Young children, a very young child, very young child, three, four years old, boy or girl, anybody can wash him. It doesn't make a difference. A small child, uh, a, a small girl dies, three years old, for example, four years old. Men could wash her, her father could wash her, her uh, grandfather, her uncle, whoever it is, the men could wash her. Small girl, only three years old. And the opposite too, if a small boy died, three years old, four years old, the women could wash that body. So when they are very small children, then anybody. But once they are now getting a bit older, then the same gender should do the washing only. There are some scholars who say even the small children same ruling applies only men for the boys and only women for the girls. Some scholars, they do say that too. Uh, and one of the reasons why they say that is because they say there is no proof to make children an exception. The only exception in the hadith is about husband and wife. Not about children. Children not mentioned in the hadith. So some scholars say children are not an exception. Others, they say a small child, the aura, a small child, it makes no difference. It's not like a grown adult. So there's no difference, some of them say. فَإِنَّ أَسْمَاء بِنْتِ عُمَيْسِ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهَا زَوْجْ أَبِي بَكْرَ سِدِّيقِ غَسَلَتْهُ غَسَلَتْ زَوْجَهَا أَبَا بَكْرَ السِدِّيقِ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهُ وَعَانَهَا عَبْدَ الرَّحْمَنِ بِنْ عَوْفِ لَمَّا عَجِزَتْ فَدَلَّ هَذَا عَلَىٰ أَنَّ زَوْجَةَ غَصِلُ زَوْجَهَا So, 
there is actually an evidence, like the hadith of the Prophet ﷺ, he said, if Aisha dies before him, he would wash her. Did she? Who died first? The Prophet ﷺ. Here now, there's actually an example of where it actually happened. The wife of Abu Bakr as-Siddiq, the wife of Abu Bakr as-Siddiq, radiyallahu anhu, Asma bint Umais, when Abu Bakr as-Siddiq, radiyallahu anhu, died, she washed him. So that is an example from the Sahaba, where the wife washed her husband, Abu Bakr as-Siddiq, radiyallahu anhu. His wife did the washing, and Abdurrahman ibn Awf was helping. Then, the hadith of Buraydah radiyallahu anhu fi qissati al-ghamadiyyah allati amara al-nabiyu sallallahu alayhi wa sallam bi rajmiha fi zina qal thumma amara biha fasalla alayha wa dufinat rawahu muslim this hadith talks about the story of the woman from the Ghamidi tribe. The Ghamidi tribe, a famous tribe, and so there was this woman from that tribe, uh, and she committed fornication. When she committed that fornication, she repented. She repented to Allah and she regretted what she did. She repented to Allah and she reg regretted what she had done. So when she had committed this, uh, this adultery, she regretted it, she sought forgiveness, she repented, but she knew that the ruling was stoning. So she came to the Prophet ﷺ, she came to the Prophet and asked him to establish the punishment upon her. When she came and she was telling him what she'd done and asking him to do the stoning on her, the Prophet wasn't looking towards her. He didn't turn to look to her. And he didn't actually even hear, he wasn't paying attention to her. He didn't pay attention to her or look towards her and didn't hear what she was saying. Then she came another time. And again the Prophet with whatever was occurring, didn't look towards her or hear her and didn't catch what she was saying again. Then she came back a third time, then a fourth time. So now she'd come in four times and the Prophet hadn't really uh, been able to listen or give the attention to her. So when she came in four times, that he was informed this woman, she doesn't have intellect. But then when he asked about this woman, it became apparent that obviously she'd done what she'd done, she'd repented, and she was actually pregnant from it. She was actually pregnant from what she had done. 
So then the Prophet said to her, Go until you give birth. Go until you give birth. So she went. So after several months, when she had given birth, she came back to the Prophet and asked again that the punishment needs to be established upon me. She knew, a believer, she knew. وَهِيَ تُرِيدَ أَنْ يُطَهِّرَهِ بِذَلِكَ Because she knew. She had repented, but the purification of her would be through establishing that prescribed punishment. Because the ruling in Islam is, if you do a sin which has a prescribed punishment, and that prescribed punishment is established upon you in this world, then in the hereafter that sin is... It's wiped. You've had your prescribed punishment. So she knew this. She knew she'd done the sin. She knew the prescribed punishment. She knew that was the way to purify her from it. So she came again after she gave birth, asking and saying that this needs to be done upon me. The Prophet said to her, Go back and breastfeed your child. Go back and breastfeed your child. فَرَجَعَتْ فَأَرْضَعَتْ وَلَدَهَا حَتَّى أَكْمَلَ الْحَوْلَيْنِ وَأَكَلَ الطَّعَامِ So she went for two years breastfeeding that child until the child at the age of two then started eating solids and food. So after that two years then, she came back to the Prophet ﷺ طَلَبَتْ مِنْهُ أَنْ يُقِيمَ عَلَيَ الْحَدِّ Again asking that the punishment needs to be established upon me. فَأَمَرَ بِالصَّبِي فَدَفَعَ إِلَى غَيْرِهَا فَدُفِعَ إِلَى غَيْرِهَا So then the Prophet ﷺ asked for the child to come now, this child was two years old now. The child was taken from the woman and given to someone else in their charge to look after, etc. ثُمَّ أَمَرَ بِهَا Then the Prophet ﷺ said, that the stoning needs to be established upon her. So she was stoned. And she died. فَأَمَرَ النَّبِيُّ صَلَى الْعِسَلَّمْ بِهَا فَصُلِّيَ عَلَيْهَا وَدُفِنَتْ فِي مَقَابِرِ الْمُسْلِمِينَ بَلْ الرُّوِيَا أَنَّهُ سَلَّمْ صَلَّى عَلَيْهَا بِنَفْسِهِ So she died from the stoning. The janazah prayer was prayed upon her. She was buried in the graveyard amongst the Muslims. And it is even mentioned in some narrations that the Prophet ﷺ himself prayed the janazah upon her. فَقِيلَ لَهُ كَيْفَ تُصَلِّ عَلَيْهَا And it was said to the Prophet ﷺ, how come you prayed the janazah upon her? She was somebody who made adultery. And she admitted it. And that's why the stoning was done upon her in the end after giving birth and feeding her child for two years, etc., how did you pray upon her? Knowing that she's done that major sin. قال أما إنها تابت توبة لو قسمت بين أهل المدينة لوسعتهم. The Prophet said, indeed, she made a repentance. Such was the the sincerity and the level of this repentance she made genuinely. That if that repentance of hers was spread amongst the people of Medina, 
a share of that repentance was given to everybody, it would be enough for everybody. Such was the amount and genuine nature of the repentance she had made. She'd done wrong, but she had made a genuine repentance from it. Coming to the Prophet ﷺ initially at the beginning, the Prophet ﷺ didn't listen. She was pregnant. He said, go until you give birth. She gave birth, came back again, saying, I need the punishment. It has to be done Islamically. Again, the Prophet ﷺ said, no, go and feed the child. She fed him for two years as is prescribed in the Sunnah. She came back after that. Then the Prophet ﷺ said, now she can be stoned. Then he prayed upon her. They said, how come? Knowing that she'd done what she did. So he said that the tawbah she made, it was genuine, such, so genuine, that if it was split up amongst the people of Medina, it would be enough for all of the people of Medina. The amount of repentance she made and how genuine it was. فَدَلَّ الْحَدِيثِ عَلَىٰ أَنَّ الْمَقْتُولِ بِالْحَدِّ مَنْ رُجِمَ مِنْ رَجْمِنَ غَيْرِهِ فَإِنَّهُ يُصَلَّ عَلَيْهِ Hadith, therefore, the point of it is, if a Muslim dies because of an Islamic ruling upon him, like stoning, dies because of that, then the janazah prayer is still done upon that person. You don't say, but he was a major sinner, adulterer, he was stoned to death. Don't pray upon him, go bury him. You pray upon him. Somebody who has had the Islamic had. Islamic punishment upon them and they die because of it. They are still Muslim and you pray upon them. Here the Prophet ﷺ prayed upon this woman. Because that person is obviously still considered a Muslim even if he has committed that major sin. So this is... That person is prayed upon and his uh, burial is done amongst the Muslims. The burial is done amongst the Muslims in the Muslim graveyard again. Then the Shaykh also mentions that this is a refutation of the khawarij. Because what do the khawarij say? They say somebody who does a major sin and dies, the person who does a major sin and dies without repentance, then that person is a disbeliever in the hereafter and he will be in the hellfire forever. And that is incorrect. Somebody who dies having committed a major sin, even if they never repented from it. They did a major sin and they never repented and died. That doesn't mean they will be in the hellfire forever. They may go to the hellfire for a while to be punished for those major sins, but in the end, as long as those major sins were not shirk, there were other major sins not shirk, they may be punished for them, but in the end they will end up in Jannah. So it is a refutation of the khawarij who say otherwise. Here the woman had committed a major sin or not. Major sin and she'd been stoned upon it. But that doesn't mean now she's in the hellfire forever. It doesn't mean she's in the hellfire. That woman is still prayed upon and she is still buried amongst the Muslims. Then the next narration. وَعَنْ جَابِرِ بْنِ سَمُورَةِ 
رضي الله عنه قال أتي النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم برجل قتل نفسه بمشاقص فلم يصلي عليه In this hadith it mentions hadith in Muslim that a man killed himself with mashaqis. Mashaqis, you know, like a spear. The spear. At the end of the spear, it's a metal pointing, sharping thing. So he got one of those and he killed himself with that. He got one of those or he got some of those sharp things and he killed himself with that. And this man who killed himself, so he committed suicide, the Prophet ﷺ did not pray the janazah upon him. Did not pray the janazah upon him. Ja'atil hadith fi nahi al-shadid an an yaqtul al-insan nafsa. There are narrations that tell us very severely that it is impermissible to commit suicide. And if you do that, it is a major sin. And there is a severe threat in the Quran and the Sunnah upon a person who commits suicide. فَلَا يَجُوزُ لِلْإِنسَانِ يَنَقْتُلَ نَفْسَهُ مَهْمَ أَصَابَهُ مِنْ شِدَّةٍ No matter how difficult your situation has become, whatever difficulty you are in, it is not permissible to kill yourself. وَمَهْمَا أَصَابَهُمْ مِنَ الضِّيقِ No matter how depressing your situation might be. عَلَيْهِ أَنْ يَصْبِرْ وَيَحْتَسِبُ You have to remain patient and keep your trust in Allah. لِأَنَّ قَتْلَ نَفْسِهِ أَشَدِّ مِمَّا هُوَ فِيهِ مِنَ الضِّيقِ وَشِدَّةِ No matter what difficult situation you may be in, Killing yourself, committing suicide is even worse than that. فَقَاتِلُ نَفْسِي فَاعِلٌ لِكَبِيرَ عَظِيمًا مِنْ كَبَائِرِ الذُّنُوبِ Somebody who kills himself has done one of the biggest major sins. النَّبِيُّ صَلَى اللَّهِ وَسَلَّمُ لَمْ يُصَلِّ عَلَى قَاتِلِ نَفْسِهِ The Prophet ﷺ did not pray upon the one who committed suicide. وَهَذَا مِنْ بَابِ الزَّجْرِ وَالْوَعِيدِ لِأَجْلِ أَنْ يَرْتَدِعَ النَّاسِ عَنْ قَتْلِ أَنفُسِهِمْ And that was to show people how bad this was what the person did. The Prophet ﷺ refused to join the janazah prayer, pray the janazah prayer upon that person. Does that mean all of the Muslims do not pray the janazah prayer upon somebody who committed suicide? No. The other Muslims can go and pray. But the Imam, the Imam and the people of position and authority, the Imams and the scholars, the big authority people, they shouldn't go and pray. Everybody else, the community can go and pray. You should go and pray. But the big people, the imams and the sheikhs, those types of people shouldn't go. Because if they don't go, they refuse to go and pray the janazah of this person who committed suicide. The rest of the community go, but the rest of the community are going to be saying what? They're all going to notice that the big 
Shaykh or the Imam, he didn't come. So they're all going to realize why he didn't come. Because this person committed suicide and that is a very bad thing to do. The Imam refused to come and pray janazah on him. The Shaykh refused to come and pray janazah on him. So the people of authority and respect and honor, the high knowledgeable etc. Those types of people, they should refuse to come and pray janazah upon somebody who committed suicide. The rest of the community, everybody else should go and pray. But everybody, the rest of the community, when they go, they're going to notice that such and such the imam and this imam and that sheikh, none of them came. So everybody will know in their mind why they didn't come. They will all feel embarrassed and shy for this deceased person, knowing that the big imams and the people of respect and honor and authority haven't come because of the evil that this person did committing suicide. So it teaches people a... Lesson, everybody in the community will learn a lesson. Look, the big imams and the scholars and the people of knowledge, they refused and they didn't come to praise janazah. It will teach them a lesson how bad it is to commit suicide. وَلَوْ وَكَوْنُ أَهْلِ الْفَضْلِ لَا يُصَلُّونَ عَلِهِمْ مِنْ بَابِ الزَّجْرِ مِنْ أَجْلِ رَدْعِ النَّاسِ عَنْ هَذِي الْجَرِيمَةِ أَشَنِيَةً As for the rest of the Muslims praying upon him, then that is because we just said before the janazah is a fard kifaya. Somebody's got to go pray it. Not everybody can abandon the janazah. Some people have to do it. So some people have to go and do that. What does this hadith show? Firstly, it shows that it is completely impermissible to commit suicide. Secondly, that the people of authority and respect should refuse to go and pray the janazah on somebody who committed suicide. And this, it shows you how severe this action of suicide is. So, the people of respect and position do not go and attend. There is a hadith, there is a hadith that mentions this topic. أَنَّ مَنْ قَتَلَ نَفْسَهُ بِالسُمِّنِ فَإِنَّ سُمَّهُ فِي كَفِّهِ يَتَحَسَّاهُ فِي نَارِ جَهَنَّمِ وَمَنْ قَتَلَ نَفْسَهُ بِحَدِيدَ فَحَدِيدَتُهُ فِي يَدِ this hadith in Bukhari, a Muslim says, whoever commits suicide, whether you take poison or you stab yourself or from a mountain or whatever you do, then in the hellfire your punishment will be that you will continuously be Doing the same thing to yourself. So if you stabbed yourself and you committed suicide, then in the hellfire your punishment will be that you are continuously stabbing yourself. Taking poison killed yourself in the hellfire continuously taking poison. So the one who commits suicide, he will have that continuous punishment in the same way in hellfire. Doesn't mean that he will stay in the hellfire forever because committing suicide doesn't make you a kafir. 
but you will be punished for this great major sin. And then in the end, the person, if he was a believer, he will be exited. So any type of suicide, it is all haram. And therefore, suicide bombs, you know, some of these people, they do these suicide bombs and they say they're doing it for the sake of Islam, then that is a nonsense. They wrap the bombs around their waist, the suicide belts, and they go blow themselves up. All of that is haram in Islam. Haram. They have committed suicide. Haram. They have killed other innocent people. Haram again. Two harams. All of their actions are haram and impermissible. Suicide is haram. Killing innocent people is haram. This is all corruption they are causing upon the earth. So the Shaykh says, أَنْ يَقْتُلَ نَفْسَهُ بِالْمُتَفَجِّرَاتَ الَّتِي تُسْتَخْدَمَ الْآنِ Somebody who kills himself with these bombs, suicide belts that they use these days, the Shaykh says. Then all of these types of things, كُلُّهُ لَا يَجُوزُ All of it is not permissible. No matter what your situation may be. Whatever you say, it is not permissible to go and blow yourself up and to kill innocent people. Then, the issue of the rest of the people, like we said, the rest of the community are supposed to go and pray on the person who committed suicide. Don't think that somebody who committed suicide, nobody prays the janazah on them. If somebody committed suicide, the rest of the community should go and pray the janazah. Just the, the big people, the imams, the sheikhs, and those types of people, they shouldn't go. To teach everybody a lesson that they're not coming on purpose because he committed suicide. You're refusing to go pray the janazah on him. Then, the hadith of Abu Huraira, radiyallahu anhu, fi qissatil mar'a allati kanat تقم المسجد قال فسأل عنها النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم فقالوا ماتت فقال أفلا كنتم آذنتموني فكأنهم صغروا أمرها فقال دلوني على قبرها فدلوه فصلى عليها متفق عليه وزاد مسلم ثم قال إن هذه القبور مملوءة ظلمة على أهلها وإن الله ينورها بصلاة عليهم. This hadith now talks about the story of a woman and in some narrations it says it was a man. Different narrations in some of them it says it was a woman and some of them says it was a man. Uh, and this woman or man, in this narration it says it was a woman, she used to come in every now and again to the Prophet's mosque and sweep it up. Sweep it all up and clean it up. So she used to come and sweep up the mosque, sweep up the dust and the dirt from the mosque. And so she used to keep the mosque looking nice and clean. She used to come in every now and again, clean it all up. And that's a very righteous action. 
keeping the mosques clean is a righteous action that you get reward upon. So she was doing a righteous thing. She used to come into the Prophet's mosque every now and again and clean it all up and sweep it all up. Then she disappeared. So the Prophet asked the companions, where has she gone? What's happened? That there used to be this woman, she used to clean up and keep the mosque clean and now we don't, nothing, she's gone, disappeared, what's happened? So the prophets, the companions told the Prophet ﷺ that she, no, she just died. Just normal died, passed away. That she died, she just passed away, died. So then the Prophet ﷺ said, you should have told me. If only you told me, you should have told me. أَفَلَا كُنْتُمْ آذَنْتُمُونِي You should have told me. يعني أَعْلَمْتُمُونِي أَعْلَمْتُونِي بِمَوْتِهَا فَكَأَنَّمْ صَغَّرُوا أَمْرَهَا It appears that the rest of the companions didn't think much of it. It appears, in the hadith it says, that the rest of the companions didn't think much of it. That she was just a woman used to clean up the mosque now and again. She died. Some of them went and prayed upon her. They didn't think it was a big thing to come and tell the Prophet and to get him to come and pray the janazah, etc. So they didn't tell him. So it looks like, in the narration, it says that the companions or the others, they didn't think it was a big thing. Just a woman used to come and clean up and she died. They went and prayed on her. They didn't tell the Prophet So he said to them, you should have told me. Uh, but they hadn't told him because they didn't want to burden him. The Prophet ﷺ, with all of the duties that he was carrying out for the ummah, they didn't want to burden him with the death of every single person that dies. So this woman died, they didn't want to burden him to, for him to make time and to come to this janazah as well and everything. So they didn't tell him about her death. In some narrations it says that she actually died, passed away uh, during the night. So they didn't want to go and disturb the Prophet ﷺ and tell him that such and such has passed away in the night time it was, etc. They didn't want to disturb him and didn't want to put this burden upon him. So they just took care of everything and buried her and it was done and the Prophet ﷺ wasn't informed. So he wasn't informed. So then he said to them, show me where her grave is then. Because now obviously the rest of them have prayed on her and buried her. And now the Prophet ﷺ was asking what's happened, where she gone? They told her she died. Prayed upon her, buried her, she's died. So then the Prophet said, you should have told me. Show me where her grave is. He said to them, show me where her grave is. So they showed him where they had buried her. And of course, there's no such thing as tombstones and all these things people do these days. These tombstones and putting the writing on the tombstones. You don't do that type of thing. It's haram to do that. To have these tombstones. But in those days, just a small rock the size of your hand, put it there to identify this is where the grave is. So they had put some rock down to identify in that area where her grave was, uh, or whatever they'd done, something to the size of a hand. They took the Prophet ﷺ to that grave. So when they took him to that grave, he prayed janazah. ala qabriha The Prophet ﷺ prayed janazah as well. He stood and prayed the janazah upon her also. And then he said, and this is something specific to the Prophet 
that these graves, he said, the Prophet ﷺ said, these graves are filled with darkness. These graves are filled with darkness upon their inhabitants. And Allah enlightens them if I pray upon them. That they are filled with darkness and Allah enlightens them if I pray upon them. So what do we learn from this particular hadith? Number one, the virtue of keeping the masjid clean, aiding the masjid in that way. Because look how the Prophet ﷺ, when he found out she had died, and all she used to do was just come and clean the mosque and things. He said, show me where her grave is, and he went and he prayed upon her. So what she used to do was a virtuous act, coming and sweeping up the mosque and keeping it clean. Secondly, that the Prophet ﷺ used to give importance to the people. Imagine now, she was just a woman who used to sweep up the mosque, but the Prophet ﷺ noticed when she didn't turn up anymore. You would think who would even remember something like that or notice something like that, just a woman who comes and sweeps up. But when she disappeared, she wasn't coming anymore, the Prophet ﷺ remembered and noticed. So he used to keep good importance, he used to give importance to all of the people. Even just a woman coming and sweeping up, he knew about her. Showing how the Prophet ﷺ had the compassion for his ummah and had the concern for his ummah and used to keep concern for them all, even just a woman coming and sweeping up the mosque. And this also shows his humbleness, shows the humbleness of the Prophet ﷺ that he asked about a woman who used to sweep up the mosque. He was the final messenger, the best of creation, and he's asking them about somebody who comes and sweeps up. Shows the humbleness and the modesty of the Prophet ﷺ. But what is the purpose of this hadith here? What is the point of this hadith? It is to show that it is permissible to pray the janaza prayer at the graveyard. It is permissible. Because the Prophet ﷺ, he went and prayed the janaza prayer at the grave. So somebody who's missed the janazah prayer, because the janazah prayer is supposed to be where usually? Not in the mosque, somewhere outside. In an open field, like you do Eid prayer on a musalla somewhere. That is where the janazah should be. If somebody missed the janazah prayer, and the person's already been buried, then you can go and pray the janazah at the grave. Because the Prophet ﷺ did exactly that. He had missed the janazah of this woman. And so he went to the grave and he prayed there. So that is something which is permissible. It is permissible. Uh, and the Prophet ﷺ actually did that on several occasions. There were several different people whom he went and prayed the janazah upon their graves. Uh, فَلَمَّا كَانَ غَائِبًا وَتُوفِيَ الْبَرَاءِ بْنِ مَعْرُورِ رضي الله عنه كان النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم لما قدم سأل عن قبره وصلى عليه بعد شهر On one occasion the Prophet was away and Al-Bara'i ibn Ma'mur رضي الله عنه one of the companions died When the Prophet came back and it was a month later he realized and he got told that 
Al-Bara had died, so he then went and prayed upon his grave. وَكَانَ أَيْضًا غَائِبًا فَمَاتَتْ أُمْ سَعَدِ بْنِ عُبَادَةً أُمْ سَعَدْ بْنِ عُبَادَةً رضي الله عنها also died whilst the Prophet ﷺ was away. So when he returned, he went and prayed upon her grave too. Uh, and there was a, a narration about a youth who died and the Prophet ﷺ also went and prayed upon him. فَالْوَقَائِعَ الَّتِي صَلَّى بِهَا النَّبِيَ صَلَّى عَلَى الْقَبْرِ كَثِيرًا so there are many instances you can find in the sunnah where the Prophet ﷺ went and prayed the janazah on the grave. So what are the reasons that would justify that? What are the different types of reasons that would justify for you to go and pray at the graveyard? One obvious reason would be that you were unable to pray the janazah, you missed the janazah prior to him being buried. So for example, One reason would be that you missed the janazah. So you go to the graveyard and you pray. Another reason could be, you already prayed. But then there's other people who missed it. And they come to the graveyard because they missed it, so they're going to pray. You happen to be there and they say to you, you are knowledgeable, you lead the janazah prayer for us. We all missed it before. So you could do it again. Because all these others are here to pray it, they missed it. You could do it and lead for them. In fact, we should highlight though, in that scenario, the Sheikh mentions here, Yakunu Tabi'an. You wouldn't lead the prayer. Because you've already prayed. But if they happen to come, a few of them who haven't prayed before and they are praying now, you're allowed to join the jama'ah. That's what the shaykh says. يَكُونُ tabi'an. So not to lead it, but that you can join it. Then this third situation comes. The third situation then is that if some people come and they ask you to lead, then you can do that too. So three different situations. One, you missed it, so you pray. Two, you're just there and other people come and pray. You can join the jama'ah and pray with them. Even though you've prayed already. Three, they come and ask you to lead so you can lead for them. فَإِذَا كَانَتِ الصَّلَاةِ عَلَى الْقَبْرِ لِسَبَبٍ مِنَ الْأَسْبَابِ فَلَا بَأْسَ بِذَلِكِ So if it is for these reasons, then you are allowed to pray the prayer upon the grave. The scholars have differed over one issue though. How long after the initial burial is somebody still allowed to come and pray upon the grave? Does it have to be within a certain time period? Imagine now you were away for a year and somebody from your relatives died in the first week when you went away. So now you come back after a year. First time you've been back since then. 
your relative died a year ago, in the first week when you went. So a year has gone by now. Can you go to that grave and still pray because you say I missed it and the Sunnah says you can do it? A year later? Five years later? That's another issue. We're talking about going to the grave and praying. Salat al-Ghaib, a different topic. But here, going to the grave and praying. Is there a time period? Imagine now, uh, uh, imagine now, for example, uh, you lived uh, like in your other country. Imagine your uh, different country. Yemen, uh, Senegal, some other place. You're living here now, but you got friends there. Somebody dies. You don't get to go back there for another five years, 2000, to the year 2023. You get back to your country. You think, you know, my friend, he died in 2017. They told me this is the first time I came back in all these years. Let me go ask them where his grave is. I want to pray the janazah on him. Six years later, can it be done? Scholars have differed over this issue. How long is the time period when you can still do it? They have differed over the issue. How long is the time period that you can do it? Al-Imam Ahmed said, the maximum is, or the maximum which has been narrated is one month. The maximum which has been narrated is a month. So the Hanabila, they say, only up to a month. If you miss the janazah and you manage to make it to the grave within a month of the original janazah, then you can do it. Other scholars, they said it's unlimited. If you never prayed it, and now you get the chance to go to his grave a year, two years, five years later, you can pray it. Because they say there is nothing in the sunnah indicating that there's a restriction. It's open. The hadith just says you can go do it. Nothing restricting you at any time. So you have these two opinions. Um, and Sheikh Al-Fawzan says the strongest opinion is that it's unlimited. Because there is nothing in the sunnah which specifically says that it's only up to a month when you can do that. So the most authentic opinion according to the Sheikh is that it is unlimited. So if there was a person who died and you never got to pray the janazah upon them and years later you get to go to that country or something, you're allowed to go and pray the janazah upon that person. Other scholars, like we said, the Hanabila, they said only up to a month. So that is the differences there. We'll have to conclude upon that for tonight then. Uh, next week, normal, carry on again, inshallah ta'ala, 6.30 p.m., 6.40 p.m. roughly we begin, uh, inshallah ta'ala. And probably that may be the last session next week on this. And then looks like maybe afterwards the dua section might start. But next week, one more session on this, insha'Allah.